0: it's been since before pandemic but we've seen you Lady. Yes. <laughs> it has been it feels yeah a lifetime ago. It's so good to see you.
1: Same, same. Um, If you guys are curious about who we're talking about, we've got Mary Jane Gibson in the house today, uh, host of Weed and Grub. We've done their show. You're in Mike's uh, show before, but we're so excited to have you here on Sidework Podcast. And you guys, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. I'm
2: your host, Brooke Van Poplin. And we just jumped right in, you know, because we came out of the gates hot before we even hit record talking Uh about how we're marketed to (laughs) as ladies on Instagram with very bad beverages. you were were telling us you ended up buying what oh yeah
0: I bought a um collagen infused water called (laughs) Mm Flow because
1: I was feeling bad about myself in Whole Foods one day you're like uh, is this actual like is this like period runoff that I'm drinking I'm gonna say it out I'm saying it right now like are they gonna sell us back our own like shedding you know to like make our face looks better (laughs)
0: It did taste like the epithelial cells from my own uterus. Wow. Infused wow. with a uh, blood orange. Uh, and um, it cost like $7.99. And I bought it and I drank it and it was disgusting. And I finished it and I hated
1: myself for yeah. it. I immediately got cramps with my first sip. Uh. <laughs> You're like, you got me. It's called lady marketing. It's yeah. called get them when they're down, get them uh, when they're weak. Back in hashtag girl boss ladies, which I'm, I'm actually like going to stop saying girl boss, which I never well, really did but i don't like the term it's been overused it is we we're being marketed to in such a fucked up way i'm sorry
2: girl boss is for the mormon mom who joined the multi level marketing
1: oh yeah group. yeah the yeah yeah for sure <laughs> i love how they showcase it that way she's a girl boss over her downline you know <laughs> Yeah,
0: it is dated, right? It's like kind of from the era when everyone was supposed to wear Spanx and Louboutins. And thank God, I think that time has passed. Please. I think. I, I was just,
2: okay. So <laughs> I was kind of, t- you know, my, my boyfriend doesn't really know me as a comedian because we met in the pandemic and there have you know been no shows or stage time I've really participated in. But we were talking about how in Chicago when I started and it was, there were finally enough women to be like an entire night of just us. It was so exciting because there were finally like six women doing comedy. And so therefore we had to have our own ladies night. And this is back then though, not only was that crazy, like you never saw an all ladies night. But we were expected to wear dresses and heels to do comedy. And we were all like, well, wait, I've never looked that way in my life. That's why I don't have a corporate job. What do you mean I have to put on a dress and heels to be on a show called Pretty, Comma Funny? And no. yeah. And so like that was like that was that was pre-girl boss. And that was when it was just like you need to look a certain way wow. to do the thing you want to do. And you're just like, God, business cash.
0: Oh, oh and we just get God. to in the It's worst so annoying ways. to track it because I was born in the like that I came up in the 80s. I grew up watching Golden Girls and yes. Sigourney Weaver was mm-hmm. in alien. And there, you know, it wasn't a big deal if a movie had a whole lot of women in it, and then right. the backlash to that happened in the 90s, and then the pussycat dolls happened, and then hair extensions happened. I don't even know what happened, but all of a sudden I was like. Why is Christopher Hitchens writing essays about can women be funny? I, this right. is just crazy. What fucking happened? We already proved that we were.
1: Right, and it's, right.
0: it's it's a power grab
2: to put us back in our place. So
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And
2: I
0: think now the wheel is turning again because of, you know, I really think the pandemic is actually very useful in a lot of ways as women you know for expectations especially regarding like how we're supposed to dress and you know whether or not we are valid members of society (laughs)
2: thank you uh i am wearing my work uniform which i'm like i'm sorry my signature look is a nice sweatshirt you know and that has been my look for and then the pandemic came and i'm like quit biting my style you know like (laughs) but i'm also like welcome it's comfortable in here you know yes oh yeah it's 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 great. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just funny. I love that you're like, we all admitted to drinking
1: things with adaptogens and bone broth and collagen.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: they got me. Oh, oh, they got me.
2: I got got. Um, but my whole the- thing
1: is I have like a whole, like I had like a tub of like the vital collagen protein drink, the powder. I'm just like, I got to power through this fucker. You know what I mean? It's just going to like collect dust in my pantry for like years. I'm just what? like, just put what? a it spoonful in you know your what? water.
2: It, it's, it tastes good in a smoothie. You can't mm-hmm. detect the absolutely. animal absolutely being ground up. Um. Well, happy Saturday, everybody. We're yeah. we recording on an off day because Andrea's going to go to Omaha to see her uh, pops and celebrate his birthday. Yeah,
1: I'm going to get on an airplane. I asked him if he wanted a theme for his birthday because um, I was like, we should <laughs> do a theme. We're funny. He goes, okay, Burger King. <laughs> So Amazing. I was like, okay, we'll do a Burger King theme for your 66 birthday pops. Um, so my sister and I are going to attempt to recreate the original chicken sandwich for dinner. So oh, no, I'll have to document and see how it goes. Okay, um, points,
2: points for just making some
1: jalapeno poppers.
2: You know that I sign off
1: on a dollar menu. Yeah, popper. Do they have it? I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Brian's like, of course they do. You stupid. Of course. Let's go get some. No, (laughs) he's the. He's like, why would I call you stupid? Now he's he's confused. Um, I'm just projecting my own fears onto my my sound engineer husband at the moment. Um, but but I'm very excited to do it and see if my if my dad is disappointed or not. Like, but we're the plan is to go obviously get crowns and then maybe even bags and we might I might even be like, can we have some wrappers too? To, so it should be pretty fun we'll yeah. see wait are you, you going to get the face the mask the like the king mask the king mask yeah i don't know if i want to waste my money on something <laughs> like that <laughs> um but it could be like if i ever decide to turn into some sort of serial killer it could be a nice signature look right ladies so am i right <laughs> yes the scariest the most terrifying
2: scarier than the scream mask for yeah. sure oh if yeah that's or the last a thing I saw,
1: maybe i could just be a flasher with it on instead <laughs> 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 ah. so yeah so it should be fun but yeah i'm glad we were able to get together today so we can have you as our amazing guest well right now because this is coming out at saturday and it'll come out next week so my, we my, have- my timeline brain is going everywhere yeah, right now we don't have to we don't have to justify our timeline to nope, anybody never. that's right, right. That's right. Yeah. Just that we are in the right timeline. And then then that (laughs) is it. We're we're, we're, ongoing joke. Yeah. 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 But do you think about alternative timelines
0: at all? Is that something that occupies your brain? Okay. Okay.
1: A little. It was like, you know, our our, our friend Jocelyn uh, uh, was saying, you know, she had to remind herself basically like before the new year that like things were so moving so quickly with the holidays. And she had to actually like say when she woke up, I'm in the right timeline because and when she went to bed just to remind herself that like I'm real here. I'm this is tactical. <laughs> you know, this is real life. So <laughs>
0: It's so important because I really feel, I asked because I had a, a, a an alternative timeline. I mean, it, it was a dream, but it wasn't a dream. Like I was definitely in a different reality that another person who is like me is living. And I was in their body for a minute where I farted in a cab <laughs> in a city that felt like New York but everyone was speaking French. And it was so real. Like the cab driver turned around and yelled at me and I was laughing. And I remember like the way the money felt as I was handing it to him. And I wow. I came out of it and I was like, Whoa. I was in an alternate timeline where, yeah, I farted in a cab and I farted and just. A cab. <laughs> I I so love real. that. I love that because
2: you know what? For all my odd feelings of like sometimes being like this just isn't right. This ain't the place, you know. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I like to talk about my life feeling like uh, I'm wearing a sweater that I shrunk uh, in the dryer. That's just kind of it doesn't always feel good or right. And then I, I did have um, someone who is. Uh, Uh, a medium confirmed to me that this is, you know, not my first go round and like placed me back in a village uh, way back when you're like, that is so cool. That is great. I am the lady from Outlander. We are not going to get into that again. Um, (laughs) I can't stop talking about how I love the show. And then now it's taken a terrible turn where I'm hate watching it. Like that is, interesting when you go from being like this is really good to like i have to keep watching so i can make fun of it and talk about it
1: yeah it is a lot i will not go on
2: i will not go on about outlander today um should we jump in (laughs) jump into some headlines
1: yeah please let's do it
2: okay so i my friend from the detroit area uh she's always you know Soldier feet on the ground there back back home in Detroit sent me this from uh, a Detroit suburb that's known for being rather hoity toity, probably very Trumpy at this point. But Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, Uh, basically, there's uh, get this uh, lawsuit alleges obnoxiously racist behavior from a manager at a restaurant called Eddie Merlot's, which I know that's hard to believe (laughs) that obnoxious (laughs) racist behavior is happening at an Italian restaurant called Eddie Merlot's. um But basically, what's going on? So there are six restaurant employees at Eddie Merlot's who basically had to walk out after giving him an ultimatum, giving him a chance to stop with the racist behavior, or else they were like, We're walking on you, dude. Like, we're gonna quit. The behavior continued despite all the pleas they could have, and especially because it's it's a black sous chef and white five white coworkers banded together to be like this. No, we will not work under these conditions. And instead of changing his behavior, this fucking douche, his name is Curtis Nordine making jokes about, um, You know, shoving watermelon down black children's throats, saying this in front of customers and his staff. He would segregate black and white customers in the restaurant away from each other the way he would seat, like just really ridiculous, making fun of like beautiful church hats that black women traditionally wear in on Sundays, just like a wild piece of shit right in front of black employees in his own restaurant. And so when they're like, if you don't stop it, we're going to walk out, instead of changing his ways, not only did this is just the craziest thing. He's like, I'll give you all a raise to stay. That's fucking crazy. And that is like some power trip bullshit of like, oh, well this won't change. How about I sweeten the deal? So you continue to take my abuse. And he didn't fucking stop. And they, they had to walk.
1: They fucking. As they should have. And they should file. Yeah, and they're filing suit Like I looked up Eddie Merlot's I'm calling it Eddie Merlot's because I can't not (laughs) Yes, it has Um, to be an Eddie Merlot I can't not call it Eddie Merlot's It's corporate, it's actually a steakhouse So they're serving super expensive, like dry aged, like prime steaks. My bad. um, Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. With the fancy size and fixings and the locations of them from like what I get. They're kind of like business parky. I think it's like they may or may not. And this is just me from looking where they're at. I think that they might be kind of the kind of place where it's like there's a lot of corporate lunches, a lot of corporate dinners. You know, they're kind of in like the suburbs. And but there's one in Boston. There's they're all over the place, actually. Like, um. Illinois and Colorado, but for me, for it being a corporate place too, it's like there are huge laws against all of this behavior first and foremost, but like what the actual fuck this behavior that has been showcased in this article that this person is displaying.
2: It's really crazy. And like, they ran it up the corporate ladder to the top to be like, you need to address this issue of this manager, Nordine, or whatever. And basically the restaurant is siding with this loser. And it's really kind of crazy because it's just like, yes, it's so sad that someone will take the side of a horribly blatantly racist manager over protecting what is now we know a very endangered workforce during the pandemic. Um and the fact that these employees were put in a position where they had to walk away from a livelihood—the only thing in their favor is everyone's hiring right now—but it ma- it does not make up for the fact that what if you like your job? What if it's the pay you need? What if it's the one that's closest to your home? And this motherfucker just can't keep his trap shut, and so you had to prove a point and walk away. And then,
0: oh, I just I'm keeping tabs on this fucking Eddie Merlot story.
1: Mm-hmm. i don't
0: advocate for violence ever but give me five <laughs> minutes at a walk-in with that motherfucker Sorry, there we go say that? oh yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. somebody slip that guy a flow you know what i mean right <laughs> <laughs> he can he can drink yeah yeah it's, you can drink my flow bro you can drink okay? my
0: flow bro <laughs> no
1: yikes um, fuck that guy. Ugh. I know.
2: So gross. But I mean, like, you know, if this uh, the only thing I can say, like, we're always trying to glean like an empowered takeaway in when we read, you know, sad and shitty articles like this. But right now, don't forget, as a server and a cook, you you historically have the upper hand right now with the labor shortage. Mm-hmm. So more than ever, if you are not being treated right for a multitude of reasons, at least know that this is a historic time and place to walk away and um, probably walk right into as good of, if not a better job. And Godspeed, you know, for good this fight. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. All, good fight yeah. for these employees. I hope they landed somewhere really good. That is a safe and a respectful work environment. Ugh.
0: <laughs> And I'm God. so glad they're getting press like that. That means, well, that you know, means is- it's so important that people are writing about this and you know, that this lawsuit is getting some attention. It's Absolutely. Great that so they're anyway, getting press. Yeah.
2: Thanks to my friend Kirsten for sending me that. She's like, here's a local embarrassment. And I'm like, ooh, Eddie Merlot, you want Eddie notice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you. Well, this next headline you found was is also is great. This it's is a great really headline. headline. Yeah. Um, Uh, You want to handle it? Yeah, go for uh, it. Sure, sure. So this article is basically, um, there is a bar. Well, you take it actually. Okay, no problem. (laughs) So the author of the
2: article, more or less, um, he's come up with an app for your alcohol consumption so that we can be informed drinkers and use the app to calculate our ABV while consuming alcohol. A lot of people don't, always know the difference. Well, think about like when there's a beer list and right. it tells you the ABV. Yeah. Why like, shouldn't do- cocktails also? Exactly. Like yeah. people should know sort of what they're getting into. And so it's just such a, most people don't know what they're drinking most days and they're either like, I got wasted or I didn't. And they don't really understand like the difference between a beer and a beer. To a glass of wine, to a shot of liquor, and how that is an incrementally increasing ABV, even though the you know the amount of beverage in liquor is a much smaller. But if you have a bunch of drinks, you're going to be a lot drunker than someone having a few beers, as we all know. But um, essentially, he he basically made this app where you can break it down. So not only can you have some fucking sense of like, okay, if I had, you know, a beer and this, like, how can I balance it? And it also is there to help bartenders maybe – Kind of keep track of, like, well, this person's been drinking, like, fucking gin martinis all mm-hmm. night, so maybe I should be more aware of over-serving them. And if they come back, make a suggestion for maybe, like, an aperitif or something that has, like, historically lower ABV. Um, Anyways, I thought that was fucking smart. I mean, if McDonald's can put a fucking <laughs> menu... With calorie count so we could actually be like, okay, I am a piece of shit and I'm going for it. Um, It just, you know, it doesn't mean you can't have the martini. I think it just helps people be knowledgeable yeah. and to like have some clue about what you're putting in your body.
1: Absolutely. And just like the clicking on like a little bit of a link here that sends you over, it's just, you know, putting eyes on some of these numbers like an old-fashioned is 38 percent, you know alcohol like that's it's a hefty amount you know and then you've got like a a spritz which is seven percent so it is I think a smart nice move and honestly I kind of I don't know I feel like it's like wow thank you for doing going and doing that work and showing me that percentage personally you know because I I'm not going to order a nine percent beer that I'm just not going to do it you know i don't know are
2: are you much of a drinker at all mary jane or is it pretty
1: yeah oh yeah i love i love alcohol and um
0: (laughs) and i do really look definitely when i'm buying wine i don't like really hot wines like i actually Mm -hmm. prefer wines that are around 13 if like if a wine is at 15 um alcohol i'll generally stay away from it because i know it's going to be like a really kind of hot experience um (laughs) But Maybe I, that's uh, what's
2: going on. Cause some wines I will absolutely flush and it's not really a sulfite allergy. Maybe just it's a higher, um, ABV than I realized. Mm-hmm.
0: I wonder yeah, if it's that higher alcohol. Yeah, totally. And I, uh, I do think this would be really useful when I was bartending, I, you know, would occasionally someone would order a cocktail and then be surprised by how strong it was, you know, especially mm-hmm. like younger drinkers or newer drinkers or people who would don't consume often. They'd order like a Cosmo and then they'd be like, it's so strong. And you're like, yeah, it's like
1: three all ounces of straight dude. booze. <laughs> so,
0: so this would be a useful thing to sort of point people to, to say, you know, maybe you should consult this first.
2: Or to be like, also, cause I know that, ugh, God, I, I think drinkers these days too, especially when you've got, so, okay, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, when you see the cocktail list and the cocktails all have a made up delightful name, you know, mm-hmm. that the BART, you know, program made and then ingredients that, I pretend I know what they are. I'm just hoping and assuming that it's, you know, you're like Luxardo, sure. You know, and then a homemade bitter and whatever. But what's interesting is you'll see like then, um, what are they, like an Aperol spritz on the list. But the difference is a spritz, like Andrea was saying, is 7% Mm -hmm. versus one of the other cocktails can be five times the amount. Mm -hmm. And your friend is like on their ass after two drinks and you're sitting there going, like, I drank 12 of these. And I think like I I really do think it's an empowering thing for people to learn. Um, where can you, Andrea? Maybe you found it. I was like,
1: yeah, can down. Yeah, yes, yeah, it just says, Yeah, you just says there's a handy calculator you can, you know, it's a little link you can click on on the original article.
2: Maybe we can post about it on social media,
1: but just,
2: just a goal for everyone out there in general. Educate yourself about the ABV and like if your go-to drink is a really high ABV, like learn some other things that you think are tasty that are like really light, like a spritz so that if you're like, I shouldn't have one more, but I'm going to stay for one more, do like a baby cocktail. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Do Mm -hmm. a little baby girl cocktail and your head and your stomach will thank you in the morning.
1: I love it. 100
2: 100%. I'm into that. I'm I'm not, I'm not drinking. I'm taking a break for a nice, so, you know, I'll I'll do that once I'm back on the, back on the hooch.
1: Oh, nice. Well, good. I'm just doing like a little bit of like, you know, hooch here and there, but uh, yeah, basically I'm still like microdosing and sipping on ciders. That's my, that's my deal these days.
0: Nice. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm I'm into the cannabis beverages right now. I don't know if you have Mm -hmm. any of those in your fridge, but. That's nice good. and nice.
2: I would have yeah. a great suggestion and we can get into this tune a little bit. Anything like I'm liking can so far. I, I mm-hmm. like their flavors a lot and I can't figure out if I'd like just the straight THC one or the THC CBD one better. I the jury's out. I'm still
0: experimenting with it, but I do like them. Yeah. There's, they're great and there are so many other options out there those that they're sort of the best known because i feel like they have the most sort of like celebrity backing and right. um you know you know obviously great branding and they are delicious and fabulous but there are other options out there there's one that i really like called gem and jane and they're yes, using some heard- of the rare cannabinoids like they're using delta 8 and thc b and um, yeah they're super tasty and then there's also if you like beer lagunitas has a line of cannabis beverages that taste like beer because they actually are brewed with hops Um, and they're delicious. There's one called uh, Hi-Fi and then there's another one called the Tuner, I think. And they are different levels of CBD and THC. I think there's one that's 10 milligrams of THC and one that's five and five THC and CBD. So many options out there. Oh my god. I love that.
2: You know what? I know about Gem and Jane because of you because I learned it from watching you, Mary Jane, <laughs> and following you on uh, social.
1: Yeah, and I'm super I'm super excited to to get into all this cuz you have so much knowledge. I'm so excited that you're you're our guest today. But before that, let's jump into oh, yeah. some server submitted stories. <laughs> Yay!
2: <laughs> okay. So, um guys, I got a follow up. I got a hot follow up. Um, so Mary Jane doesn't know this. We <laughs> had a story come in last week um, about a regular customer at a Starbucks in an undisclosed location. Um, he was his name was Multigrain Mike. That's what the um, that's what the employees called him. They mm-hmm. didn't really know a whole lot about him other than his multigrain bagel order and his coffee, which he would then leave at a table and then disappear to the bathroom every time he ordered for upwards of 20 to almost 40 minutes. And he'd come out, his stuff would be cold, obviously, and then he'd be like peevy about it, get them to reheat it or give him a new order, even though he had just disappeared for 40 minutes. But then when they would go in the bathroom, they would see that he had stopped up every corner, the drain and the door crack, had stuffed it full of napkins, and what we can only assume was making a bath? with sink water throughout the entire bathroom. He was
1: a businessman. So we don't, it's. Presented in business where. And uh, so we had a lot of follow-up questions, basically. We We were like, we need more information and need to do some detective work. So Brett did. (laughs) He did.
2: He would come out, like they would go in and the entire bathroom would be soaked and like draining as though he had managed to fill it with a foot or two of water
0: do you think he was like using it as like a time travel portal and Whoa, going to an alternate reality? Maybe. Do you think he's a time traveler from a different dimension? And that's how he, Thank he you comes for, and goes. <sighs> Thank you for that conspiracy theory, because we were like, maybe he has
2: sex with someone in a car before he goes to work and then comes in and does a tops and tails wash down. But no one needs 40 minutes for that. Like we're talking completely turned it into a bath chamber. Um, so, anyways, we were just like, okay, I need to know more. So Is it Stargate? Is that is this right? Yeah, is that his, right. is, is, that
1: his is that his 88 miles per hour? You know what I mean? Is that <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, the
1: <laughs> So
2: well, we just I just needed to know more. So here's here's um what Texas Barista wrote back. Okay, he was a, he was a regular, but it wasn't the same time and the same day every single time just roughly an early morning he said and I was like did you ever see him come out wet because I have to know (laughs) and so uh they wrote back the last time I ever saw him he was sweaty slash freshly bathed after the bathroom and had damp patches on his dress shirt Mm -hmm. only noticed because I was really looking that time the guy never had a business suit jacket despite the business attire so I'm assuming less to change in and out of in the bathroom bath but I would have covered oh he says but it would have covered the evidence of his dampness had he had a suit jacket so that Mm -hmm. was maybe a misstep on his part but he remind uh, but the writer reminds us he completely napkin sealed the bathroom four times but he could not But he could have been doing mini baths and just tossing them into the trash. And then I was like, was it the same bathroom in the Starbucks every time? They replied, no preference on bathroom, just whichever was open. And luckily we had two. He could have been getting to different levels of dirty under his clothes and needed more or less of of a bath, depending on what he was doing before. We thought it was an affair that he wasn't using hotel or spa because he could have bathed there. But the amount of napkins he would go through really, really varied so savvy baristas not me would not heat up his bagel and pour his drink until 10 minutes after he ordered and would disappeared for his bath um because they know he'd take his sweet time doing whatever the fuck he was doing in there um so and then another thought is maybe he was just the kind of person who needed to dress all the way down for a dump I know those I've heard about these people and then he you know and then they went on the writer said maybe um uh uh Oh, and he's like, the thing that takes the most time after going to the bathroom is probably getting your tie back on. <laughs> your nice business and tie. <laughs> and I, I did appreciate this. They said, with complete sincerity, we are all fighting private battles. And I'm so thankful that this isn't one of mine. Maybe I'd trade anxiety or something else for it. But still grateful for the devils I know versus whatever multigrain Mike was going through.
0: Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It makes me think of the Jim Carrey, uh, Ace Ventura... Oh, bathroom
1: smacks <laughs> his, po- his jacket or shirt pocket and water comes out yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, like yeah, do yeah. not
0: go in there
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's like solving crimes ah! in there we don't know
2: <laughs> again i really do like that that is his vehicle you know that was his customer's vehicle to you know that's how he would break the veil um time travel find the space the time hole the space travel time crime continuing. fighter
1: yeah he's like repatching like You know, he's making it so people aren't murdered and people are born and not. I don't know. He's fixing the world one crazy weirdo bath at a time. Um, And people think that he's a weirdo, but he's really just doing the universe's work for us. Maybe that's, you know,
2: I think my takeaway, though, is what I is people who are just uh, I know this is about to be a weird, deep tangent but as someone who works in the service industry you are looked at as such a you are considered such a non-entity that someone thinks they can come in every fucking day and you're not going to notice i think that speaks to some level of how much we are just vehicles that give them mm-hmm. coffee and bagels and whatever and that we don't have eyes and ears and independent thought and know what the fuck is going on with you Or, you know, or that he like, ah, just the, the frenzy, the ramp up to whatever is going to go that like, you just like, I can't make eye contact. It's all about the transaction and then getting wet, baby.
1: (laughs) And I think people like fall into a routine and feel safe in that too. Right. Another way it's like, especially coffee shops where we hear about the craziest shit. Like you said before, we could do an entire season on what happens in coffee shop bathrooms. You know, I think it's just this, like, I, I go coffee, I Lock the bathroom. I take a bath. I then I go and and I go and do. And people just they're, they're so like that's their OCD and that's how they work. And I think like something as you know every day is getting coffee. It's you're creating a safe space for for them somehow. So in a way, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In their yeah. way.
0: he. <laughs> I'm just so glad that the bat. It does. It sounds like the bathroom was. Clean, like yeah, the, it, it, you know, like yeah, whatever. No just, dumps
1: were left. It was just water yep. and napkins. Water and um, napkins. That's okay. So. All right, multigrain, Mike. Until we find out more information, we're just. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a, it's a, it's a weird one. let's jump into this next story. Uh, Here we go. All right. It starts off. Well, here's something that happened just today. I work at a little pub restaurant called Stout's Pub in St. Paul, Minnesota. The majority of our guests are regulars, mostly older folks. There was this old, there is this old couple that comes in once a week. They're probably in their eighties. It's always the same for the first 45 minutes or so she has a few glasses of wine and he has a few IPAs. Maybe they get an old fashioned Then they'll get some food, usually the fish and chips and nibble very slowly and just enjoy each other's company. They hold hands and sneak in little kisses and they always tip really, really well. We were talking about how they're basically like our life goals and how lucky (laughs) they are um, and so happy to have each other and have that kind of love at an older age. So today, my friend uh, Kayla was their server, and after they've gotten a little bit tipsy, they say to her, hey, would you like to hear a story? Well, we've been tragically dead since December, so she says, yes, of course. And he opens his mouth and says, so we're cousins. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, (laughs) <laughs> Kayla's mouth drops under her mask and she was like, uh, uh-huh. And they go on and tell her that her mom and his dad were siblings. They always got along really well. And when both of their partners died, they reconnected and fell in love and have been together ever since. Uh, so <laughs> she told us this later and we decided, okay, maybe we won't, we won't aspire to be like them. <laughs> At least they're too old to have kids, right? <laughs> the lesson learned. Learned. now uh I, the listen kayla learned now i know if someone ever asked if i want to hear a story i'll just say no and run away uh that's from sal in saint paul wow kissing wow. cousin. damn oh wow god I mean, what a deflated fucking balloon huh my, bu- uh. my you know what my bucket list has uh
2: fuck my cousin on it you know for sure <laughs>
1: It is funny that I read that as parents because the parents probably would be like, we'll just wait till our parents are dead to fuck. (laughs) It's a good call. Wait till your parents and your partners are dead to start fucking
0: your cousin. I I have a friend who just married someone who has children with his cousin. And yeah, I was like, that's wild. Like that just is, you know, it's not illegal, I guess, but it is very strange.
2: It's not. No. And I think many of us are lucky to probably not be from such small towns where the pickings are so slim and your chance of meeting anybody is like, I guess I'll date cousin, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, I, I, I'm trying to learn to not be so super judgmental in this life. And if this is their last little grab of joy. Um, later in life. Is it shocking? Is it looked down upon? Yeah, is it taboo? Yeah, But you mm-hmm. know,
1: you, when you lived in that village back in your other timeline, could have married a cousin and it was totally fine then. I'm sure. I mean, we all know that the royal crown, that whole fucking line is inbred as fuck. Yeah, you know? and, and, and that's the thing about with like, you know, the upper echelon of old society's bullshit is like you keep the money in the family and you marry your cousin. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that what the whole Habsburg chin was about? Do you oh, know about the Habsburg
0: like, chin? It was like that completely like deformed lower jaw from decades and centuries of breeding amongst the aristocracy. Yeah. yeah, the aristocracy, all those cousin fuckers. Yep,
2: yep. They got the they got a chin of an aristocrat. You know what I'm Ooh. saying? Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. know what? Um, I not good. I love that, but also kudos to some. You know some of our aging fellow citizens getting a little tipsy
1: and spilling the beans. Yeah, you man, know? I love that too. Hot drums. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wonder now is it, is it always going to be like awkward? They'll be like, "Oh, hi, how are you guys? How are you two? <laughs> You're back." <laughs> so grab
2: that joy. You guys, have
1: that joy, such say. a good such a good server submitted story you guys please keep them coming in we're having so much fun with this new crop in 2022 and you can send those over to a sideworkpad at gmail.com
0: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road
1: Guys, it's 2022. We did it. We made it. Here we are. We did it. And we're also have another drop by with lo-fi. Victoria Candy, our favorite bartender and ambassador to lo-fi aperitifs is here. Hello. Hello. And you are going to talk to us today about not necessarily like going dry in January, like so many people do, but dry-ish in January. Exactly. Yeah, there's a couple reasons for that.
3: We'll Uh, see if you get it. Okay. Uh, One being dry January is a theme. Hello. We're going to do low ABV drinks. So this is just dryish. But the other reason. (laughs) (laughs) We're still drinking. The other reason is because we're using lo-fi dry.
1: Ah, dry moves. I knew you guys would get it. I knew it. I
3: knew it. In the know. (laughs) Yeah, so one of my favorite drinks of all time is the G&T. So Gin simple. and tonic. So good, right? So simple and so good. Um, my other favorite drink of all time is the V&T because what I like to call Lo-Fi Dry is basically the low ABV gin replacement. Nice. So what we're doing is we're taking Lo-Fi Dry in place of the gin, like I mentioned. So two ounces of that. We're going to put it in any glass that you want with ice. You're going to top it with Fever Tree Mediterranean Tonic, which is one of my favorite tonics ever. It is um, really light, low on the quinine, and there is bursts of thyme and rosemary in it, which I think is really interesting and really great. They really do make a great product that pairs Mm -hmm. just kind of perfectly with lo-fi, I have to say. Yeah. So then in your glass, we're going to do Garnish Game Strong with a sprig of thyme, a sprig of rosemary, and a lemon wheel. So you'll get all of the aromatics that you find in the tonic and plus your drinker will look baller.
1: Top resolution for Andrea, Garnish game strong oh my god right cocktail not so strong (laughs) oh she did it (laughs) oh my god air horn yeah yeah victoria thank you so much for (laughs) dropping by with lo-fi happy new year to you guys oh i can't wait to get dry i'm gonna go get dry right now Let's backtrack immediately
2: to your bartending background, Mary Jane. Like, do Spill the Beans. Okay, I'm going to say Spill the Beans a bunch this episode. Um, <laughs> pour the start, Bourbon. Pour <laughs> the Bourbon. Tell us all about it. When did you get started, and um, where where were some of your bartending
0: jobs? Uh, I have beans and Bourbon. I uh, started bartending when I was living in Montreal, going to theater school, and um, got a job at a place called The Double Deuce, which was a disgusting dive bar, where like the kegs fridge was moldy and you know the one regular would come in i had like the daytime shift and the regular oh. would, who would come in had like a terrible gambling problem and they had one of those gambling machines where you could like spend insane amounts of money and he would just get hammered and lose all of his money and and that was my regular rocky and um <laughs> and that was my <laughs> first bartending job i was like i had one 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 regular and um and i didn't learn very much there but right. I did work in a bar and then, um, I next worked in a bar in Dublin, which is where I really learned how to bartend. And that was awesome. Cause I got kind of thrown into it. I, I bullshitted my way into a nightclub job as a bartender at this place called major Tom's and uh, they figured, I love that because, name. yeah. And they thought, because they thought I was American. Um, and they were like, all Americans are amazing at making drinks and cocktails. Like Americans are incredible bartenders. Are you, like-
2: are you Canadian?
0: I'm Canadian, and I didn't yeah. know that.
2: Amazing. Our, finally, officially, our yeah. first Canadian guy. I was like,
1: we're really going international today. I'm super happy about it. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. But so, it did, and here's a question when it's to your advantage, do Canadians like to masquerade as Americans? Cause usually it's the other way Americans will masquerade as Canadians to not be hated.
0: Uh, I, I love the Well, I kind of have a foot on either side of the border because I was born in the States. So I have dual citizenship. And wow. I've been here a really long time. Yes. Now I've been in the States for like 15 years. So I feel very much of both worlds. Mm. But yes. I am I'm proud of being Canadian. I like being as Canadian. you should be. It's a good place to, you know, I grew up in Newfoundland. So um, wow. uh, I did actually just the other night, Mike uh, Glazer, my podcast co-host for Weed and Grub and I were having dinner and we ended up being introduced to the owner of the restaurant. She's from Toronto. And I told her I was from Newfoundland and she just, this look came across her face. And when we left the restaurant, Mike was like, what was that? And I was like, oh, that's the look that a New Yorker gives to someone who's from Fargo. Right. Like that is, that is totally you you absolute fucking hick." And uh, it was so he was like, oh, I'd never seen that before. You know, when I said I was from Newfoundland, she like just looked me up and down and was like, oh, how nice for you.
1: Oh, my God. Um, Whatever. So I bet it's fucking gorgeous, though. It's I'm... amazing. It's an incredible place and yeah. uh,
0: great restaurants and and uh, nightlife there, too. So nice. it was. Yeah. So but yeah, I, I learned to. Um, so yeah, Major, Dublin, Toms. Major Tom's. Major Tom's. Major Tom's. It was a great job because they they hired me thinking I knew what I was doing. They quickly discovered that I did not. And Jill, who was the head bartender, who was absolutely terrifying, um, just told me just to like back up and just watch her for a few weeks. And I basically became a bar back and just learned the the flow of the bar. It was a crazy busy nightclub bar. And then finally, they started letting me pour pints. And then I kind of worked my way up. And by the end of that, my time there, I I worked there for a year. I felt like really um, proficient in working like a super busy nightclub bar. And then I bartended in um, London and Seattle and New York.
2: Wow. Wow. You're officially the most jet, (laughs) you know, um, jet setty, probably bartender we've had on the show thus far. I love that. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, uh, obviously this is not that long ago. So I do think cocktail culture and correct me if I'm wrong, was a lot more prevalent, especially in Europe, like in nightclubs, that whole scene. Because it's like when I think of Ireland, I'm thinking it's just pubs, you know, pubs with stouts and, you know. A logger totally. and what have you, but here you are probably like, no, no, no. The,
0: the young, the youth, they want, they want the liquor and they want the mixed drinks. They did want mixed drinks, not cocktails so much, but it was a lot of things like vodka and blackcurrant was a big drink. It was like mm. blackcurrant cordial with vodka yeah. or um, orange cordial with you know any number of spirits, and then a lot of like Bacardi breezers and pints, pints all day long. Of course, a million pints. You have to learn how to pour pour the proper pint, even in a busy nightclub. The Irish expect a perfect pint of Guinness. Like you don't get sloppy. Right. It's, 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 it's an art for sure. Yeah. 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 So you don't, you don't ever give anyone a bad pint. It doesn't matter if everyone's hammered and it's two in the morning and it's, you know, everything's bumping like that pint still has to be absolutely pristine,
2: which is a good thing to learn thrown back in your face, you know, which you don't. None of us want that. Did um, you guys
1: have the shatterproof pint glasses where you worked? Was that were they, was that a thing yet or were they glass still?
2: They Pinted? were glass. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of a shatterproof pint I glass. I think it was That's American. No, no,
1: no, 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 no. It's, oh. it, it's either Ireland or it's uh, in England because like they were being used as weapons so much that like they were, they became shatterproof. Yeah. Hold yeah. on.
0: I was in my first bar brawl in London. I mean, I wasn't in the brawl, but I was at the bar when a brawl occurred and it was a Red Bull in like fueled everyone in the city, the financial district would get off work and they would come in and house Red Bull Vogue because we actually served them by the pitcher, which is just such a bad idea. (laughs) And they would get just insane and there were chairs thrown and like someone got thrown up through a plate glass window and we definitely could have benefited from some shatterproof glasses in Oh that place. my
1: Lord. I feel like we have to have you on a whole separate episode just to talk about your international bartending like, but yeah, but today we really want to hone in on your knowledge of the weed industry, the cannabis industry, and specifically the cannabis service industry.
2: Oh yeah. And, and to, to switch gears there too, I, I heard this really great joke, uh, cause I've been working on a cannabis talk show, which I'll talk to you about after this too, is uh five guys drinking all night, start a fight. Five guys smoking weed all night, start a band. And that's the <laughs> difference.
1: It's uh, fucking true.
2: So true. Yeah,
1: dude. For sure. Oh, I love weed. so yes
2: yes like like to all of our listeners this is our second episode in a row where we have been exploring the cannabis uh service industry side of it because it is becoming a fucking viable career and option um for those of us who do like service oriented and what i would call like cannabis fits into now uh the normalization of nightlife the normalization of consuming it um our last guest uh, really talked about, you know, the there were ups and downs about being a weed delivery person, but there was uh, an actual stable, um, you know, hourly rate plus tips. You know, the only bad part is if someone would be a total shyster and not tip you on a $500 order, which that person is, you know, usually a very rich DJ as we came to learn a right. total piece of shit, you know. But um, so, yeah, we've been talking about the options where states, um, you know, are fully legal at this point that... Maybe if the service industry, as you know it at the moment, is burning you out, there are options that continue to grow. So we're just so curious to kind of pepper you with questions. Um, Do you think it's safe to say that uh, the cannabis industry
0: is creating jobs as we speak? Absolutely. It's one of the fastest growing sectors, I think, especially, you know, with places like New York coming online. I mean, one in three Americans now lives in a state with access to adult use. Weed, mm-hmm. legal weed. That's you know, and it's it's only growing. It's, I mean, I think they're are- it's all gonna be above board soon enough, too, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, we don't even need to wait for the federal government to legalize it. Like at the federal level it's still mm-hmm. considered as dangerous as heroin or LSD. Yeah, right. Um, but you know, in the states where we've legalized for adult use, we know the truth and we are seeing places, you know, have massive success like Colorado and Washington with their programs with, you know, tax revenue, they're doing really well. California has kind of screwed up legalizing weed. The the industry here is really a mess and a lot of um cultivators and manufacturers and people in the industry are really suffering because California sort of screwed it up, but they, we're hoping that they'll fix it. And, and we can look to places like New York and New Jersey and Oklahoma and, you know, all of these other new places coming online to hopefully do a better job. So I'm really excited about the future of people being able to work in so many different jobs in wheat, especially in the service industry.
2: Um, Now for you, have you been a bud tender at all?
0: I've never been a bud tender. I've only ever written about weed for a living and podcasted about it. I've never actually worked as a bud tender. I have massive respect for that amount of knowledge. Yeah. I'm sure you've
2: talked to your fair share. So that was just a more specific question because for those of our listeners, um, Mary Jane is a fantastic journalist who's really I I really think you're making a name for yourself in terms of like being the source for knowing what's new and what's important in the cannabis industry. She's had a lot of features in Rolling Stone. You're very badass. No big deal. No big deal. Um, (laughs) Your podcast, Weed and Grub, is just like you guys are blowing up and getting into festivals. And just it's so guys... We've had Mike Glazer, her co-host on the podcast before, and this is wonderful co-host and counterpart, Mary Jane Gibson, and it's called Weed and Grub. We'll just keep plugging it. But (laughs) so I'm sure you've had the opportunity then to at least talk with bud tenders and educate yourself on the job itself. And like, what kind of what kind of a career can someone have doing this? Is it a similar with the hourly? And then obviously we threaten people within an inch of their lives. Tip, tip, tip your bud tender.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think especially like here in LA, it's great. I have several friends who are comedians and performers uh, who work part-time as bud tenders and it's just the most stable uh, sort of like non-toxic environment uh, as an alternative to working in a restaurant that they've found. It's awesome. You know, wow. I think the, the really, the great thing is the barrier for entry is pretty low. You're just mm-hmm. required to be, you know, um, all the things that you would need to be for any job, really like a hard worker and disciplined and show up on time, but you don't need to know a ton. You can just, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you should love weed, um, and you should smoke it, (laughs) but it's okay if you don't. Um, and it's, you know, it's the cool thing about cannabis right now is that it's not just about the flower, which is obviously the source for everything. We love the, you know, the original flower, but, you know, to talk to people about edibles, beverages, tinctures, concentrates. Topicals. I know I was gonna say, we like a topical over here. (laughs) Love a topical. Love a bath bomb. So much to talk about. So there it's it's just, yeah, it's it's great. I think it's like working at a, you know, it's like working at any really amazing stop, you know, shop. It's like it's like wellness mixed in with service industry.
2: Which absolutely
1: is really cool yeah it's and it's like you're kind of like you know sommeliering or it's like any other like being a server a bartender like knowing your menu up and down the ins and outs of it knowing the sources is so cool so if you nerd out like that and you're like oh like this particular strain was invented from this and this plant and like it's cultivated here and like here's how it's ethically grown to like go that far back i think is super appreciated by so many people to know exactly like why it's being made where it's being made or when you yeah. have,
2: when you have a really good server or bartender and, you know, someone comes in being like, I don't really know what to get. And right. so then they can start off and be like, well, what do you usually like? Like, what are flavors you like? What would you normally drink? And then they can take you on a journey from there to try and get you either a joint or like a little two milligram,
0: you know, mint. Right. I, and and, and, and sure. it's a based, right? Like you want to say mm-hmm. to someone like, how do you, you know, and I don't know if we do this as bartenders, you say, how do you want to feel? What, we like, don't.
1: Right? <laughs> we definitely like, don't. Yeah. I don't think I ever asked that question as a yeah, bartender. Yeah, we're just like, me or I'll
0: fucking slice <laughs> you. No, it's true.
1: I mean, that's what I do as an esthetician. I'm like, what, you know, like, what, what brings you here to me today? You know, like, what have you come to seeking in your life? You know, but... I think it is like an amazing thing to be like, let me help you go on this journey. And I guarantee 50% of clientele that's coming into these dispensaries are like little novice babies and they need their hands held in a little, in ways, you know? Because as we know, edibles, things come becoming like more and more legal. We have all heard the stories about people like eating a bunch of edibles on vacation in Colorado and freaking out, you know what I mean? So bud tenders are there to be like, Follow these instructions, and then you know, don't fuck yourself up. Like we want you to have a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so. I mean, you know, I uh, before moving to California, I was terrified of edibles because I'd only ever had that like straight to the face, and then like lie in a corner kind of. Situation. Oh yeah, you're like
1: someone made like brickweed butter, and now I talk to demons. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> definitely like my. <laughs> Everyone has had that experience. I think mm. you know your first
0: experience with edibles just not being a comfortable one. It's a bummer then because you don't want to go back. But when I moved to California and I, you know, started shopping at dispensaries and could speak to knowledgeable people who could lead me, you know, to exactly experience like the low dose edibles and also to understand that they actually work in your body differently, Mm -hmm. that, you know, even if you have a high tolerance as a smoker, an edible actually metabolizes in your body differently. It passes through your digestive system and metabolizes Mm -hmm. in your liver and actually changes from that Delta 9 THC that is the you know, cannabinoid that we all know and love that gets you high, it's responsible for that euphoric feeling, it actually turns into a slightly different version in your liver that's a delta hydroxy-11 that has a more psychedelic effect Oh, and is longer lasting. So edibles that take longer and pass through your system really do affect you differently from, from smoking or vaping. It's, it's it's like actually like a physiological difference
1: wow i love that your body's like changing changing this make the enzymes are just like creating new strains like inside you i feel crazy <laughs> what timeline yeah. is that um that <laughs> is now, incredible knowledge <laughs> it's it's awesome and 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 in order to
0: bypass that now um all of these places satori chocolates is one of my favorite ones they're using nanolipid technology to make the edibles more readily bioavailable it's so you don't have that experience. So they're fast acting. So you can eat an edible and in like 10 or 15 minutes, you're having your experience and it's not that same sort of like hardcore edible experience necessarily.
2: The fast acting edible is like music to my ears because I always get in the place um, where I, I start low and I go slow, which is what we teach. But maybe I don't always understand how I metabolize things. So even if I've waited an hour, And I'm just sort of like, I don't know, man. Then I'll do the bigger impatient chomp. And then it's all stuck in my liver and it's actually the full dose. And it's like hitting me at the same time. And now I'm two hours in and I've overdone it. And it's like this mess. Whereas I feel like the fast acting like gives you a roadmap right away. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to try one of those because if I take the teeny bite and I know in 15 minutes, you
0: know, like, cool, I'm good. No more. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can sort of titrate your, your experience. I love it. I have uh, one brand that I love that's five milligrams and the onset is about 15 minutes and I'll eat 20 milligrams in a night. But if I ate 20 milligrams all at once, that's not an experience that I actually enjoy. I'm kind of a low doser and my tolerance Mm -hmm. is like, I'm happy around 10 or 15, but the fast acting ones, you can have five milligrams and an hour later have another five. And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, more akin to like having, having a, having a series of drinks in a night.
2: Yeah. And see, that's the kind of like service that I think is so fun in that aspect is that if you light up, feel excited about the knowledge, feel like you want to help people have the opposite of a terrible, unguided, very illegal, like, because there's this whole feeling too, where you're like, if you did overdo it, you're ashamed to ask someone for like, help to get you out of the bad place and it's it's just this whole mess where it's like you know we have we widely accept and treat people who overdose on opioids but yet we won't talk to people plainly about weed like that's fucking crazy and i feel mm-hmm. really excited about you know being like because we we talked to really cool people on um i've just been able to talk to really uh fantastic people who do a lot of research and um have backgrounds in CBD and all this stuff. And that like, if you get too high, then just take some regular CBD, which helps dampen the effect of the active THC. Or I even heard a trick that you can crack down on a peppercorn and that helps counteract the THC. And it actually helped me get out of a bad edible situation.
0: Not only a week ago. Wow, that's amazing.
2: Even if it was a little psycho, and even if it was a little psychosomatic, I was sitting (laughs) on my front porch crying, chewing on a peppercorn, (laughs) if that gives you a picture. I was like, oh, I need this to work. Help. I love it. But just this idea that I love that it should naturally then turn into the service industry, which is like what we're seeing are – you know, the cafes, like you wrote about Lowell Cafe in yeah. your Rolling Stone article. How did they, how did they, Um, I didn't stop to look like, did they survive the pandemic? They
0: didn't survive the pandemic. Fuck. They were actually, yeah. I don't know if they would have survived regardless okay. of the pandemic. Got because it, it was Got like, it. yeah, it was a first of its kind in right. the country. And right. it, the model is a little broken because of how crazy the cannabis regulations are. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's basically a controlled substance or it is a controlled substance. Um, And so the... the issues that they faced in order to bring food and weed to your table at the same time were pretty insurmountable and they did a good job. I was really happy to go and have a few great dinners there with friends and like Mm -hmm. just be, you know, passing a joint around the table while eating nachos in a, in a public space was like magical. I mean, if you've been to Amsterdam, it's like, yeah, it's like the greatest thing in the world. Um, But they were already experiencing some sort of difficulties. And then I think the pandemic gave them the cover to like duck and run and be like, Version two coming, you know, someday. Well,
2: th- and that's just it because it's like we were about to have this real renaissance and it's like things had barely just started. And then we're in a situation where we're like, we cannot share air particles indoors with people possibly ever again. You know, granted, we're out on the other side of it. But I feel like in 2022, we're now going to see like a real, um, you know, pop populating of, cannabis cafes if you will and maybe i wonder if red tape is changing at all because it was so important to get the service industry and restaurants back on their feet i'd be curious to know if any of that has loosened up for a restaurant that wants to serve suit that wants to serve food because what i was reading is you could only eat the food in a designated area but it sounded like what you said uh, help me maybe you can explain better the
0: well, so, so the way that, um, the Lowell cafe was operating was basically, you can't have the, the weed anywhere near the kitchen. You're effectively mm-hmm. okay. selling someone the weed from, you know, the sort of licensed on site cannabis retail portion, like the
1: boutique, like dispensary area. Yeah, exactly. And so that is delivered to your
0: table by one server with one point of sale. And then there's a different point of sale and a different server bringing you food from the kitchen, but you're able to enjoy them both in the same space. At the, got it. So that was awesome, um, and and you know I I think they were trying to work out the kinks. I think that the um, the issue right now of you know just being in any space with smoke, you know I think being in a like I I don't think I would want to be in a casino in Vegas right now. You know like any of that sort no. of smoke no. just no feels- well
1: and I would think that like Nevada might be kind of the first. You know, with them legalizing to be able to get away with more of this. But like in California specifically, in 2018, CBD cocktails were banned, right? And now we have Assembly Bill 45, which passed in October of 2021, and that's making them legal to serve again. But despite this, you know, like the, the 64, which legalized recreational use of cannabis, it's like 45 allows the serving of CBD cocktails in public establishments, um, but you can't do cannabis-infused food At all like that is still something that is like out there now you can find your cannabis your weed private chef and you can have your private dinner parties that is very much a thing i know people Mm -hmm. who do that and they go on a whole experience with it but as far as like having a storefront being able to advertise any sort of like consumables other than cbd which still i don't even think can have any of the psychoactive like cannabinoids in there at all like this is all we got right now you know
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the the licenses that were issued, uh, I think in 2018 were, there were eight issued licenses for smoking and vaping consumption lounges in West Hollywood. And then eight that were for edibles only. And Mm. those were going to be places where you could consume infused foods. But I think that it wasn't going to be a situation where you could infuse, like the the kitchen could infuse them. It would just be a place where they would offer edibles that are like branded and be packaged But there was one chef, his name is Jeff, the 420 chef, who was going to get around it and open a place called, I think it was going to be called Budberry. And he explained to me that he was going to have infused condiments on hand, like in-house infused, you know, aioli or whatever. And that you could order a dish and then you could sort of like medicate with your infused condiments. I used to be like
1: massaging mayonnaise onto my neck. Like... (laughs) Dude, I'm
2: telling you, I was going to say I'm such a sauce bitch. I would be so high. Mama loves some wet food.
0: I would bathe in Russian dressing if I could. It's, yeah, uh, it's all about it.
2: Um, Can I go back to talking about the service side, like, say, at Lowell? So the table side, if you were a server for the cannabis portion of the restaurant, so you would do? what is called tableside flower service. Um, and this was from your article. I'm, I'm taking a little excerpt from it, but you had a host, a flower host for the evening who was Chantelle. And basically, you know, she goes on to say like, well, I'm always been much more of a smoker than a drinker. I'd much rather serve cannabis than alcohol. She couldn't be happier working there. And so she still has, you know, a responsibility to do her job and to do it professionally. Um, you know, People could possibly get too high. And so part of her job is to help you navigate that you're not basically going to do that. And she was certified through TIPS, which is still the same program that restaurant workers go through to, you know, help guests uh, over consume alcohol, what have you. But basically she's like, it's just so fucking chill. Like the job is chill. The vibe is people getting stoned and having a lovely time, and she's there to sort of be your shaman. And then Mm -hmm. on the flip side of it, you know, when you're talking to the back of house, yes, of course, you're still going to be an artisanal farm to table, like, you can have all the stripes, you know, the celebrated stripes of being a chef, but basically what's cool about this, too, is they're like, we're trying to change the perception of kitchen culture. No one is being beaten over the head or yelled at and all these violent Things that we've normalized in kitchens are like instead fucking happy, stone enough to do their job coworkers who are working in a stoner environment.
1: Totally. But instead as, of cocaine. Right. But <laughs> as cocaine things and bourbon, change. I think that like, you know, we're talking about the evolution of this and as things change. And like I, I just popped over because I was like surely Nevada. And I just found this article on Eater talking about like all the plans and opening up these cannabis lounges. In Vegas, which you're going to serve food, you're going to be able to do single use like you can smoke or like drink it there. This place called Planet 13 Marijuana Dispensary already plans to open a consumption lounge at its dispensary uh, on Desert Road Inn just west of the Vegas Strip. The- the dispensary plans to build a 20,000 square foot lounge with a four inch deep indoor splash pool and a (laughs) 5,000 square foot outdoor balcony. And then a skywalk that connects like their lounge to the dispensary. This is the, the worlds are going to collide. You know what I mean? You're going to have restaurant kitchen culture colliding with dispensary culture, whether we like it or not, that's the path we're going down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and does it sound terrible? It sounds amazing. It's like I mean, are you fucking? I, you're, you know, you're gonna go to the splash pool, Mary Jane. Yeah. You know this is in your future. Like, I'm yes, getting high I mean, and oh my splashing God. in puddles is
2: just about the best thing to do can, in the whole entire can, world. Can we get the word out to Multi Grain Mike that there is now <laughs> a fucking ah! safe place for
1: you, buddy? Oh, you need man. to go to the, the splash pool, dude. Yeah. In honor, in honor of Multigrain Mike. Yeah, and this is, you, dude. there's six other states that are now allowing cannabis lounges. So it's going to become a coffee shop culture. You know what I yeah. mean? Whether it's like a small little area that does, in fact, serve weed and coffee or a huge fucking indoor weed water park, you know, like. Yeah.
0: And, you know, the the awesome thing about, about weed, about the cannabis community, I mean, you know, as marijuana goes mainstream, the cannabis community is becoming an industry and we are losing some of that, like, you know, the, the communal aspect, the grassroots.
1: Yeah, man. What we
0: love about weed. Yeah. Which is that it like, it connects you. It connects you to yourself, the environment around you and other people but it cannot be denied, even though it will be a massive industry and, you know, hugely profitable and and maybe it it will become a commodity. Like the nature of weed is that people who love weed love it so much. And so when you go to a place that is serving cannabis and trying to give you some kind of experience, the people behind that experience are generally so dedicated to you just having an awesome time. Like they just want everything to be great because, the drug war has been so successful and it's horrifying propaganda and like Mm -hmm. everybody I know who works in weed is just doing their best constantly to, to, you know, update everyone's experience so that everyone can have an awesome time. And even if you choose not to consume, to just not judge the people who do, if you are a smoker you know, it's getting more and more acceptable now to just talk about it and be super open about your your consumption. And that's just so great. So to be able to do it in public mm-hmm. with friends.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think like, you know, it's, it's an interesting time and place where there are going to be a lot of bad actors who do get in on it. I mean, I can already speak from experience. The people who fucking sign my paycheck are pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, thanks for the job. I mean, we get to talk about the fun side of it and we get to be, they don't, they don't know that we're actually very vocal about the right things to do and we're very against what they do and because they're so dumb, they don't know that, you know, we talk about Last Prisoner Project or we talk about, you know, how wrong it is for giant companies to come in to towns where licenses for weed shops, uh, like little things like they're buying them all up so that it's a pay to play situation because they're a major capitalist corporation who like the whole point. So I think the only thing is like, as we move forward and get over the novelty of, you know, weed being everywhere is like, we should be able to do our homework and hopefully see that a bar or restaurant or cafe, are they involved with giving back to people who've been fucking sitting in jail for having a joint? while we are in a splash pool, um, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) with our white privilege and all that shit. So like, I think and hope that with the weed community, I know that that's something that is important. And as these places grow as well, that we will see for every splash pool you can put down that hopefully if you're a big booming business, you will dedicate yourself to getting people's records expunged. And like, it's just crazy to me. And I I don't, that's not like to throw water on this whole thing, but I'm like, I'm hoping with the wave of this normalizing, it's like, yeah, let's get everyone out of jail. Let's get everyone's record clean and let's all get in
0: the fucking splash pool together that's yeah, right absolutely yeah. Absolutely. that's the most important part of it uh, we just interviewed a woman who works with last prisoner project on the uh weed grub her name is stephanie shepherd and uh mm. part of her story was she was um sent to prison for 10 years for uh, a marijuana offense and she was sitting in prison she's a black woman she was sitting in mm. prison um in victorville in you know her eighth year of this sentence that she was serving for a nonviolent cannabis fence and the uh, TV was on, and there was a woman on the news and it was a white woman being asked about her cannabis business. And Stephanie said that she sat there in prison and watched this white woman say, business is booming. And to hear her describe that moment and to see just how how her whole life has been affected by being sent to prison for this thing that this woman was touting on, on, you know, nightly news. Like it was just this, it was such a an insane moment to to really hear her talk about that. And that's the reality of it. There are mm-hmm. people, yeah, serving life sentences still. And, you know, it's it's just wild. So it's, yeah, it's just a great point to keep making. Um, weed is fun and amazing. And it's also a very serious thing that people are doing time for. Lives just
2: absolutely destroyed over it. And, you know, and it's, it's just, and it all, and it, and it does just all go back to like, why did we make something that grows out of the ground illegal? And it it does go back. The history to it is like, it's propaganda from a bygone era. Oh yeah. To specifically target black people, you know, as we continue to, you know, unfortunately, uh, learn about this it's just like it changed my perspective and just made me want to be like okay for every like fucking like four pack of can I get I want to make sure that you know I know the true um work that still needs to be done on the other end of it and yeah it's it's crazy but it's awesome
1: but it's Mm -hmm. America is the problem it's
0: America (laughs) dealing with this That's right.
1: And I really think when it comes to, you know, again, like, you know, always looking back to the service industry, like this is something that if you guys, again, like we always say, looking to like get out of the serving game and into the bud tender game. And you're just like, I'm a nerd about a menu and like sharing an experience like this could be an amazing opportunity for so many people who, yeah, I mean, to want to just geek the fuck out and probably get. You know, paid actual cash money, but probably you probably have perks in the job too. You know, you're probably seeing pretty flush with like new inventory that you need to try to experience. You know, <laughs> that's the best part. Mm-hmm. I just got sent
0: something crazy in the mail today. And I'm so excited to try. And I'm like, this is the best part of my job. I just got like I opened my mailbox and I was like, oh, like a cool new scientific way to get high was sent to me and now I I guess I have to try it for our I guess I have to. I know I was like I would
2: take that, you know, especially in a place where I'm like, oh I'm gonna back off the alcohol again for a bit for, you know, health reasons or whatever. But like, yeah, I like trading the shift drink for my little uh as our friend James said, you know, he would get an eighth every two weeks, you know, and he's like, and that was just enough for him, or getting fun little edibles, candies, treats. It's like, hell yeah. Also just the stability of of being a bud tender or, you know,
1: working normal hours, Mm -hmm. having like, you just
2: work hard and make people happy.
1: Um, We had a bud tender who I love and I, you know, I haven't seen in a while because Brian usually goes to the shops. I don't, but he was working as a bud tender in our, uh, our favorite little dispensary down the street and then leaving to go to school to become a lawyer for cannabis law because he loved it so much to be able to represent these small dispensaries that he loves to work in. And that guy is the best. Yeah. I love that.
0: I love that.
2: Well, what's next and new for Weed and Grub before we uh, part ways today?
0: Oh, we've got some amazing guests lined up. I'm so stoked. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but um, this week's episode is with Chef Roy Choi. Oh, so exciting. He he's incredible. And, you know, I think I think what's, you know, our favorite thing is that weed and grub are just the cornerstones for conversations with anyone about Mm -hmm. anything they just Mm -hmm. happen to serve as a great foundational you know as sort of a springboard but you know last year we got to talk to Roxanne Gay Mm -hmm. and um you know the showrunner of the Simpsons Bill Oakley and all these sorts of folks so we're we're looking to um talk to you know more fun folks this year and go on the road a little bit we were supposed to be at Sketchfest uh in San Francisco which you know COVID went Mm -hmm. right
1: right, but um
0: you know hoping to do some more live shows and hang out with people safely in real life, and enjoy weed and food. And we're also, um, I guess, the big project that we're really trying to hunker down and work on right now is that we're um, going to write a book. Nice, nice.
2: That's one of our goals too. Yeah Yes, is fantastic.
0: Yeah. So you know, it's like you get all the planning, and then you got to do the doing. The doing has to happen. But oh, we're, yeah. we're working on it
2: we're we're really super good at talking about it
1: yeah probably <laughs> or we just keep manifesting it or it'll have you know like um I'm super excited uh for you guys to interview Roy Choi I'm sure Mike will just be like the ge- most geeked out dude ever because uh he was
0: he was super geeked it was I mean we both were but I definitely like looked across the table at
1: Mike and I could see like his his eyes were like twinkly twinkly <laughs> very cool yeah uh, how <laughs> fun Mary Jane thank you so much for joining us today. Today. We would love to have you back to talk about your international travels like I'm super curious like the difference between you know bartending and like London to Ireland like these are these are these are things I want to know about
2: we are um, daring to go more international with our coverage this year we decided this is the year and we'll yeah we'll do like a soft soft landing with someone we already know. Um and get Amazing. it started yeah no it'll be great we're hoping that some of our people who listen and uh write in from other countries would be willing to be on the show so just throwing that
1: out there yeah you know, yeah. Overseas. yeah and so I i'm also at yeah yeah i'm gonna throw out there also you guys we're also has, if anybody out there listening has been a flight attendant has worked in airlines we really would love to tap into the airline industry and what it's like to be a server in the sky uh thousands and thousands of feet up in the air so hit us up if that's something that you did (laughs) i know yeah putting feel like they're like they're like the martial artists of the
0: server serving world. like those
1: and the shade game their shade is so strong (laughs) (laughs) and like the tiniest little areas just like the just the tiniest little compartments like coveted coveted personal space i would imagine if you're working up on an airplane like that Oh, my God. All right, you guys. Well, you Brooke, you know what we say at the end of every episode. I do. I do. Godspeed and good tips. Yes. And tip your fucking bud tenders, guys. That's right. <laughs>